TeachNet Learning Podcast. Today we are going to continue our exploration into the use of generative AI in the further education and training space. Drilling down on how these tools can make educators more productive and I suppose ultimately save us time. I'm Pat Brennan and I'm delighted to be joined today by Ashley Stevens and Emma Doyle from Kildare Wicklow ETB. Ashley is a professional development and research projects coordinator and Emma teaches design, ICT and sustainable development in West Wicklow Youth Reach. Welcome to the TeachNet podcast. Thank you so much for having us on board from Kildare and Wicklow here. It's always a pleasure to join yourself, Michael, and all at H2. And this is a particularly exciting area for us. Whilst AI can be all bells and whistles, I think there's practical angles we can come at as well. So thank you for having us. The pleasure is ours, Ashley. And what I might do is just to get the ball rolling, you might tell us a little bit about yourself, your teaching background and uh, your career to date. Thanks, Pat. So I suppose at this stage, I am, what, 15, 16 years deep in further education and training. All of my time spent in Kildare and Wicklow. Most of my time spent in youth reach, and it will always have a place in my heart. But I've dipped my toes in the water in adult education, VTOS, BTI programs as well across the board. Generally teaching core skills, IT to communications, personal effectiveness, personal interpersonal skills. I do have a soft spot as well for integrating digital tools, technology across the board, and as much as possible as well, looking at how we can make learning experiences accessible to all, trying to be creative in that approach, using the classroom as a space to play, be creative, engage and provide opportunities for learners and empower them to be in control of their their own learning and where they want to go in their future and how we can provide those opportunities for them. For me, introducing the sustainable development goals, sustainable education really provides an opportunity to engage learners but also bring them to a place where they feel like it's important to them. And there's huge opportunities, particularly in the further education and training space, to provide those opportunities to develop transversal skills, integrate technologies, and use the tools that we have at our fingertips to enhance those learning experiences. That's key, Ashley. I might you know, circle back on that at a later point. It's using the stuff we already have. But Emma, you might tell us, in a nutshell, the skinny on your own career. So my background, I've been a, first of all, lifelong learner through the FET system myself as a student for many, many years. But then I've been working mainly in the youth reach setting for the last six, almost seven years at this point. I've delivered many, many different courses under many different levels, many different situations. But my kind of core thread that runs through a lot of my practice is technology. I absolutely love technology. I love the boundaries that it can break down. I love the connections it can make. I think it really brought home during times like COVID lockdowns when we were completely separated, how we still had this amazing capacity to bridge those those distances and really keep delivering things to a very high level and to take away the isolation of education in general. It doesn't even have to be in that kind of situation. I think a lot of the time, both educators and learners can feel an isolation in their setting and in their in their journey and I think that technology is a really 
very, very powerful asset in addressing that. So that's something that feeds through all of my practice. My background um, in my own education, I am a, an artist and a working, working artist still outside of my teaching practice. I teach ICT unofficially. I also have been delivering sustainability for the last maybe I think about five years now. And that has really been the biggest vehicle I think I have for exploring technology with learners in new ways that maybe haven't been touched on before and that are kind of opening up new possibilities for me in my practice. And I think are making things really exciting. So yeah, that's something I'd love to connect very much more to AI to bring it even further into the future than I think it already is. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, all of us here are very uh, like-minded. The real buzz at the moment, we, we, we'll drill down into it too, because there is a lot of hype around generative AI. But this, I suppose, is where I want to bring the, the discussion. And I might just revert back to you, Ashley, just in general, and I suppose very much anecdotally, how, if at all, are teachers using AI tools with their learners in Kildare with OETV? I think like with all technology, it's a very mixed bag, Pat, you know, and it's a, it's a broad spectrum of use. We have teachers who have jumped straight in, have been following the news, you know, totally immersed in what's coming down the line, the latest developments, you know, even before this time last year, when ChatGPT was kind of first coming on our radar, first released, we would have a group of teachers, tech nerds, Emma in that space particularly, who would have been keeping abreast and, and up to date with it. And I think the best way to describe it is playing with it, you know, getting into the sandbox, trying it out, exploring and having some fun with it, actually. And that's at, at one end of the spectrum. We would have staff in the middle who are aware, who are, who may be kind of I suppose, playing with some of the basic functionality that's in the tools that we already use that's there in front of us. And then, like with everything, we would have some who, if you were to ask them today, what are you doing with AI? They may not know what you're talking about or what it is or kind of should they know more about it? So there's there's a very much mixed bag. Nobody feels that they're an expert in this space because it's so new. It's moving so quickly. And there is a fear around it as well. From my perspective, particularly in, in learning develop and development, it's really important that as an organization, we support that fear and allow our teachers the space and time to play with those tools and to get to grips with them while breaking down the fear that is there. Because I know we've chatted about this already. Most of us, if not everybody, has actually been using some form of AI. They just may not know it. That's a message we have to get across. This isn't spanking brand new. Maybe the generative AI side of it, absolutely. But a huge amount of this tech has been under the hood of most of the tools that we've been using for a significant amount of time. Emma, I suppose going more specific, in West Wicklow Youth Reach, what's your experience of your colleagues? How are they using it? Yeah, I suppose I, I would be surprised if when my colleagues were asked if they knew how much of it they were using, as we just kind of mentioned there, I think mm -hmm. it's been sort of just under the surface of a lot of tools that we've been, you know, relying on for our day to day running and for a teaching and learning for a very long time, such as in the Microsoft Office suite, we have read aloud technology, we have translation, 
We have image descriptions. We have a lot of these things that we use innately without realizing that they are actually an AI feature. So that's definitely been in play for a very long time. I think that it's only sort of in more recent years that I think some of the other staff are starting to feel a bit braver in in regards to trying out new tools and maybe feeling like they have permission sometimes can be a factor as well. I think that that's a little bit of the anxiety around teachers adopting AI for the first time is like, am I cheating? Am I allowed to do this? There's this is sort of feeling of nearly an imposter syndrome if you're using this tool. It's not that you're cheating. It's not that you're replacing your own hard work. It's, I think it's a fantastic way of being able to split yourself into two, which I think we all experience not having enough time in our day, feeling a bit burned out and just maybe needing an extra pair of hands. And if you can have a digital tool do that for you, that's working smarter, not harder. It's simply the best thing to do. From my point of view, what I can only kind of speak from my own experience with regards to some of the very particular tools that I would use, being from an arts background and teaching the arts subjects, I would use it very, very frequently in the form of the built-in AI in Canva for things like image editing, manipulation, removing objects, adding objects, have been using it very recently with students to kind of do fun combinations and just get the creative juices flowing. Very important to always explain to students in that capacity when you're using that particular kind of tool, that if they're generating something fully from AI, so if you're giving a a word prompt and it's generating an image fully from AI, it's not going to be an original image. So it's not ever going to replace an original creation because all of these things come from data banks. So I think that it's really part of the experience. If you're using these tools with learners in a classroom setting, you have to know enough about them before going into it that you can explain the limitations, the sort of correct and responsible use, and the pitfalls of it, as well as how exciting it is, because it is really exciting. And my learners have really enjoyed playing with it. Yeah, and that's something I'd like to unpick in a while with you both is the kind of whole ethical side of it. For some teachers looking at generative AI, it's the elephant in the room, I suppose. But I suppose something I'm I'm drawn to here, Emma, you're using tools, and you might just give us a little bit more detail on this, for quiz and activity generation. So you're using some Gen AI tools for Mm. formative assessment. Absolutely. So that's something that's quite new for me, to be perfectly honest. It was just such a strain on my time to be constantly creating these new little sort of mini assessments, like little quizzes that might just be about terminology, something very simple. I like to do these kind of short fire kind of learning checks and almost things that learners can dip into themselves as a self-assessment to see how they're doing with with their knowledge base, to see how they're getting on and how they're progressing. So I've, I've used a lot of different platforms, one in particular that I rather like just for quite sort of simplistic sort of quiz assessments is one called ProProofs because it it, ha- it has a manual feature. You can just create your own quizzes from scratch if you like, or you can give a prompt, give sort of a theme that you're looking for, and it will generate a fully AI-generated quiz for you, which then you can edit as needed. Now, with these things, I do find that they are at the starting point. They're not usually the end product, and there's usually some level of editing necessary. I've never just used something s- straight as it comes out of the of the generator. I'll always go back in, tweak a little bit, tweak the language just for accessibility. Maybe some of the terminology isn't exactly what I was looking for. So there's always some level of tweaking to be done. But it just cuts out a lot of the of the sort of the donkey work in the middle where it's not actually necessary for you to spend your time doing these 
sort of the menial bits where you can then just be free to use your experienced eye to go over it at the end and save you time. But the really nice thing I like about these sorts of tools like ProProofs is that it auto grades. So if it is a matter of the assessment type is black and white answers, it's either wrong or it's right. The students can get their result straight away. They can download a cert, which they input their own name onto with their score, and they don't have to wait for you. And you don't have to feel guilty about not being able to get around to 20 people all at once in in the space of half an hour. So again, it just gives a more positive and kind of fluid experience for everybody. So that's something I'm finding really helpful. And again, is going down very well with my learners. Ashley, I just wanted to, because from the outset, I mentioned focuses very much on how we can use these tools to enhance our productivity and I suppose ultimately save us time. So I was intrigued by that short uh, AI generated video you shared with me a day or two ago. It's called One Word 2023 Disrupt Ed. The video which we will share as part of the notes, begins with the question, can playing with AI give educators back their time? And to be honest, I think that captures on a number of levels why we should all be excited about the potential of AI in our classrooms. You might actually talk us through what was involved here and I suppose the motivation for creating it. Absolutely, Pat. So at the start of this year, I did a blog post for the TeachNet blog And I started that with, I suppose, the idea of being disrupted because I think AI is going to disrupt us and our approaches to everything that we do. But how it disrupts us is up to us. You know, we are in the driving seat. As you mentioned there, we are the professionals. We are the ones in control of of where we're going with this. And all too often, teachers across the country, you know, they are time poor whether it be admin, lesson prep, personalizing experiences, you know, creating content, whatever it may be. We have so many hats on as educators in the space that we work and, you know, time is infinite. So I think the video that you're talking about there is an opportunity to look at the power and the potential of AI. In writing that blog post, Back at the start of the year, I used ChatGPT as my personal assistant to give me a skeleton, to give me a frame for that piece of writing, but also to see what it could do to help me as a teacher in a classroom. So at the time, I asked it to generate a, a lesson plan for me. Okay, it gave me a skeleton. I was quite impressed with it. We went on then to create a glossary. There's some rubrics. There's lots of those, I suppose, back-end frames that teachers need in their day-to-day roles. So you can find out more about that on the TeachNet blog. But my latest play was to use a piece of AI kit. It's actually called Pictory.ai to see if I could transform that flash content, the blog post, into accessible, engaging video. and. 25 minutes flat, end to end, from popping the URL for the blog post into the software, it generated a piece of video content for me. Now, again, I made a couple of tweaks in there, but it was very easy to use, very accessible music, video pieces, graphics. So it just shows the potential of transforming 
that flat text in the blog post into an experience for learners to engage with. There's two things here. First of all, it's taking a flat post and creating this and people will see see it for themselves, how this particular tool that you're talking about here has generated this video that brings it to life, I suppose. But the second thing I think is key, educators, by our very nature, we're always time poor, but you're not reinventing the wheel. You're taking something that you've already used in one form and you're using one of these tools. And as you said, in a short space of time, you're converting it into something that you can reuse. That is really the power of these. I'll move on because I think we're talking a lot about tools. And Ashley, I might stay with you on this just briefly. And I think Emma alluded to it as well. You know, for the newcomer to generative AI, it can be overwhelming, all these tools. And there's a new tool every week. Literally, I think we're wasting our time trying to keep up with it. Our advice, I suppose, and this is going back to the point that Emma made, is that we should be kind of starting and focusing on what we already have. Most CTBs, uh, you're already using the Microsoft uh, 365 tools and that. Ashley, you might maybe just elaborate a wee bit on that. Like what sort of things that people are using that are AI powered that they don't even know? And what other things can they can they maybe look at? I think if I was to make any suggestions for, for anyone in this space, Pat, I think the, the first place to start, that's a really easy place to dip the toes in the water. I call it my personal assistant because I have it on my phone, is to just download the Bing app. And the app itself, it provides a really quick easy and accessible space to just try it out and just to play with it effectively. But when you download that app, it gives you a little dashboard and there's a chat button on it. And straight away, you can type in a prompt. And this is really where I suppose we're going to have to explore our own cognitive flexibility as educators, because the quality of the outputs from the machine or the the technology is going to come back to the quality of the prompts or prompt crafting or prompt engineering. There's various different terms. But look, you can run away with the tech language. We all know that when you get into this space or as you're playing with digital tools, it is almost like learning a new language. But what I would say to teachers is don't let that put you off. You don't need to have all of the language to play with it. So as a first port of call, I think downloading that Bing app, and it actually gives you an idea for different prompting that you can try straight away in there as well. You can have a play with the DALI image generator. And again, it gives you ideas for prompts and how you can do that. There's a translator built in there. There's also the Microsoft Maths tools that are in there. And the Maths tools in particular are really cool because you can enter in a basic equation. I'm going to talk about two plus two because it's easy for me to manage at this time of the morning. But you can actually just draw on the screen of your phone. You can type it in or you can use voice to input it in. And it will actually automatically generate the steps to solve that equation. It'll link through suggested ideas. It'll link to videos that show that process for solving that equation. There's so many extensions, you know, and it's fairly self-explanatory. It literally tells you on the screen what to do. So that's one option to play with it. I think there's going to be developments in that Microsoft ecosystem. You know, we are Office 365 across the board. But you can see already 
that it's becoming more and more visible across the tools that we use. And I think some stage kind of next year, we are going to see it coming into the applications that we use on a day-to-day basis, your Word, your PowerPoint. A really good one as well is the presenter coach in PowerPoint. It's really easy to play with. But like that, have your own assistant coach helping you to develop your presentation skills at the click of a button in there. So there's all those things that take time for the teacher that we can now use and resource the tools that are built in with technology to support our roles and to support those personalized experiences that we all want to provide for students. We could do a podcast on its own around, I think, the the Microsoft tools. And it's interesting that you mentioned the the learning accelerators. There's something I think all teachers should be excited about because it's giving you back time. It's doing a lot. And it's coming back to that thing that you spoke about as well, Ashley, the personalized learning. Going back to that video that Ashley shared and we will share with the listeners, another screen grab I've taken from it, it says, as educators, it can be easy to get caught up in the hype surrounding AI. And there certainly is a lot of that. And feel overwhelmed or terrified by the potential changes it may bring to our role as teachers. It's changing education. As back to that phrase of yours, Ashley, but disrupted. Among all this hype, there's been a lot written, and I think understandably, about the clear and present danger posed by over-reliance on AI tools, particularly, I suppose, when it comes to validity, balance of the content generated. And indeed, you know, as some would see it, the existential threat it poses to assessment practices. Very quickly, Ash, what's your take on these? And are there other concerns we should be addressing as well? Absolutely, Pat. You know, like with everything, I think it's it's critically important that as a profession, we lead out and model responsible use of AI. And for me, we have a responsibility to be transparent and to use it ethically and to acknowledge it and, and credit it. And I think this is something that we do when we use resources or when we collaborate on on different pieces of work, we need to model the use of that appropriately to make sure that we do that so that our students see us doing that as well, so that we do use it ethically and that it is referenced, it's resourced, you know, and that we're open about it. And I think that's going to be critically important as we move into this space and start to leverage it more to assist us or as our personal assistant. And I think it's okay to use it to learn together with students as well and to be open and model that learning experience. And I think that in itself adds value to that whole learning journey that you have when you build relationships with students. Before we wrap up on that as well, um, Pat, I have a little surprise for you that I sent over to you in your email there. So you should have just received two images. And this touches on the ethical use and the considerations for me as well. Just draws it kind of nicely to an end for us, I think. Last night, I had a play with the DALI 3 image generator within that Bing chat AI app that I was talking about. And I prompted it to draw me a picture of a teacher called Pat. And the prompt that I used was, Draw a picture of a teacher called Pat using Bing Chat for the first time and surprise me with their facial expression. 
it generated me a lovely image, as you will see over on your side. But then I also use the same prompt using the name Michael. I'm sharing the two pictures to demonstrate that actually AI has now gotten to a place that just like with human intelligence, AI can also have cognitive bias. And you'll see that when you look at the two pictures, because the characteristics of the avatars in the cartoon drawings, they're different based just alone on a human name. And I think that shows where we're going with this. But also as professionals, we need to be mindful that those cognitive biases can creep in dependent on what we feed it. So we do need to, I suppose, carefully sift through the outputs that we receive. And then if you flip that, it can also identify cognitive bias for you if you feed in a prompt that you'd like to check. But all in all, I think it's a very exciting space. I think it can really help us and support us. I also think that we can use our roles and our professional space to actually bring down the level of hype and treat it for what it is. It is a machine. It, it, it is an intelligence language model that's developed from content from various places. But my advice to teachers across the board is if you haven't had a play, feel the fear, dip the toes in the water and give it a go. Emma. I'll give you the last word. I just want to thank you both for a really interesting conversation this morning. Much as I call myself a tech nerd, I still feel like I'm very new to this area, but I'm just so excited by the possibilities it's opening up. Nothing that I find that you get from AI is going to be original. It's not going to replace the skilled and sensitive eye and ear and thoughts of an educator. So I do think it is a tool, it's a support, but it's something that's really exciting. It's something that has, a, has an imagination in, the, in some capacity. So it can really freshen and liven and just add that excitement back into what might be kind of getting into a bit of a rush of a class, of a teaching plan, of a lesson you're trying to develop. Use the tool. These tools are there to support us, not to threaten us. But the most important thing is to treat it as play before you treat it as a product. I think that's a great place to leave it. Just to say again, a huge thank you to you both for the time you've taken today. It's been really informative, but also it's practical. The message I'm taking from this is go and play with these tools. Thank you so much, Pat. It was a pleasure. Thank you both.